0: First Kings chapter 17. I said, I think, because there's a part of my heart that's in Luke 12. I don't know if that happens to your heart. Did your heart ever end up in other places? And um, as we were worshiping and praying, I'm... Um, after the Holy Ghost there. Maybe I'll just tell you what Luke 12 says, and you may get more of it later, but I I really think we need to be in 1 Kings. So Go to 1 Kings 17. In Luke 12, we find a parable. It's a parable of a rich man. The Bible says that he had done well. That was not an indictment against him in any way. Um, he's done well for himself. And he, he makes the statement. He says, you know what I'm going to do? He said, I am rich and I'm increased with goods. Nothing wrong with that, necessarily. He said, what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going I'm to tear down my barns. And I'm going to build bigger barns because I need more room for all that has come my way. And I'm going to retire. That's, I'm paraphrasing, but you can read it in Luke 12. That's, that's what we call it today. I'm going to retire. I'm going to rest. I'm going to take my ease, he said, and I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. I'm going to be merry. And We might hear that and we think, man, that is the goal in life, right? Accumulate enough and get it stored up to where I can stop working, take my ease and just enjoy living life. Right? Does that sort of sound like what is promoted in America? That's sort of where he was. And in the parable, you know what the Lord called him? Anybody? A fool. The Lord called him a fool. Now, Did the Lord call him a fool because he had become rich and increased with goods? No. See, we get our focus wrong. Did the Lord call him a fool because he wanted to build bigger barns? Do you know why the Lord called him a fool? Because he had more focus on the temporal than the eternal. His attention and his energy and his effort had been poured into this life and what he could get in this life and what he could have and how he could live in this life. And he had failed to give proper attention, effort, and energy, and commitment to eternal life. He was out of order in his efforts. That's why the Lord called him a fool. He said, thou fool, this night your soul shall be required of thee. It's in there. And then he asked the question. He said, and then whose shall all these things be? Lord was not finding fault with him having goods. But the issue was he had put his hope and his confidence and his living and effort into all of that. And he had dismissed focusing and putting effort and energy into the eternal. And when his soul was required, he was out of balance. Someone please hear today. I have a 401k. (laughs) I contribute to it. My hope is not in my 401k. I'm, I'm trying to be wise, right? I'm trying to be a good steward with what God's put in my hand. But I am not living for this life i am living for eternal life and so i'm not don't stop putting in your 401k unless the lord tells you to do that don't don't stop trying to be a good steward and do those things don't nothing wrong with that i don't but make sure that you're not giving more energy effort and focus to that than you are to his kingdom and his will and his purpose for your life and mine Because if I am, if I'm out of order with that, in the story, Jesus said that man was a fool. So I want those things in order. Amen? God, give me proper order. Would you pray that with me right now before we go to 1 Kings? God, give me proper order in my priorities. And if there's any area where my priorities are out of order, I ask you, Lord, I ask you, Lord, to... Bring a realignment. Show me so that I put them in proper order. I want to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, knowing all those other things will be added. But let me not let me get caught in the trap. Let me not get caught in the trap or the deception of seeking earthly things to the expense of the eternal but I pray that there be diligence, effort, and energy given to the eternal far more than any effort and energy I would give to the temporal. I know you'll provide in the temporal, but I don't want that to take priority over the eternal, Lord. Even so do in me, I pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen? amen. First Kings chapter 17. You know, eternity's forever. I know we can't grasp that. Eternity's forever. I remember when I was a kid, there was this picture, scared me to death. My mom would teach me Bible study when I was a little kid in our house. She'd teach me and my sister Bible study. She taught us Bible study one summer. Took my whole summer, man. I'm off school all summer, and every morning she started with Bible study. I want to go outside and play okay after bible study and so she, she did she taught she taught the whole search for truth chart i mean i underlined every scripture in my bible i think i felt like it cuz she didn't skip anything she just went over every verse that was on that chart and in that, and she she walked I, I thank god for that today but at the time i wanted to go outside and play but she was diligent and uh but there was this i don't know if it was a picture or just a story in the but it was trying to paint the picture of eternity. And the picture was, imagine... You got a little bit of an imagination this morning. Imagine that there is a steel ball the size of the earth. You got a picture? The earth, this massive steel ball. And every year, every year, once a year, A sparrow comes by and brushes its wing against the steel ball every year. Until, after time, the brushing of a sparrow against that steel ball has eroded it away to where none of it's left. I don't know how long it takes. But throughout however much time that takes, and it's gone now, that that steel ball that started the size of the earth is now gone from this brushing every year of a sparrow's wing. When it's gone, eternity will have just begun. Eternity's forever, it's without end. I don't want to put so much energy and effort into a life that is limited to 70, 80, 90 years to where I'm not putting my focus and energy into eternity. I want proper order in my priorities. This is important. God grant me a glimpse and an understanding to some degree, that puts the fear of the Lord in me of eternity. I want my eyes on eternity. Amen? 1 Kings 17. We're going to shift gears now. 1 Kings chapter 17, starting with verse number 7. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now, look at that verse there. I want to give you context so you don't have to read all this. This is the prophet Elijah. The prophet Elijah had prophesied, it will not rain at my word. And so he said, it will not rain. It didn't rain. And the Lord told prophet Elijah, go by the brook Cherith, sit there, and I've commanded ravens to sustain you. They'll take care of you. And so Elijah does that, prophesies no rain, no rain. He goes to the brook Cherith. He sits at the brook Cherith. He's getting water there. And ravens bring him food every day to feed him. That's a miracle of God, right? Ravens are scavenger birds, but every day they would bring him food to feed him. God can change the mind of a na- of a raven and make it do what He wants it to do. So, raven doesn't have free will. You and I have free will, but the ravens came and fed him. And so, but what happened after a while? This is where we pick up. After a while, the brook dried up. Sort of his fault. He's the one that said, "Don't let it rain." But there it is. Sometimes the things you declare, you're going to have to live with it in faith, knowing, "No, I said what God told me to say. This may be the result of what I said, but I, I spoke things God gave me to speak, and here we go." And so, you know, sometimes we pray for stuff, and then God starts doing things in our life to bring that to pass, and we don't realize He's bringing it to pass. We just realize we're in the middle of something. The brook's dried up. God's got a plan. If your brook has dried up, God's got a plan. Somebody hear me this morning. If your brook has dried up, God still has a plan. And so the brook dried up because no rain. Verse 8, And the word of the Lord came to him. I really didn't plan on talking about a dry brook, but we're stuck right here for a second. If your brook has dried up, the thing to do is not take off running and chasing and looking for every other Brooks. Maybe I can find one over here. Oh no, 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 that one's dry too. Maybe I oh, maybe this will work. No, oh maybe this will work. Oh, anybody ever been in that state and condition? Maybe there's one over here. This oh maybe this will work. Let me try this. That's how people get up and never mind. I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> chasing Brooks. Here's an answer for somebody today. Here's an answer for somebody. And the word of the Lord came to him. He stayed by the dry brook till the word of the Lord came to him. Then he knew what to do. Hear me, God knows where you are. God knows where you are. He didn't bring you this far to watch you die of dehydration. If the brooks dried up, it means he's getting ready to move you. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost for somebody right now. If the brook has dried up, it just means get ready. But, but don't get ahead of him. Here, wait. Wait for the word of the Lord. You say, well, what does that sound like? Well, you'll know. You'll know his voice. We recognize When the word of God is speaking and that word gets in, we're like, oh man, hold on, that touched right where I live. You got to recognize that that's not the work of a man, that's God reaching to your heart. Or you're praying or you're reading his word and something in it leaps out at you and you're like, man, I've never seen it that way, but lay hold on that. Stand on the word of God. So the brook's dry and the word of the Lord came to him saying, verse 9, watch what. The Lord said to him, Arise, get to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, or is beside Zidon, and dwell there. So see, the Lord was ready to move him. Hmm. Some of us, some of you are more spiritual than I am, but some of us, we won't move until the brook dries up. you know what? This is good. May not be all God has for me, but this is working. So I'm just going to hang out right here. There's a trickle. It's not much, but I I got a little bit. I need you to see this. There's a little bit here. And the Lord has been dealing with you already about moving. I'm not necessarily talking physically, you understand? he been dealing with you about some changes. You've just been like, well, I will, Lord, but right now there's a little bit of water still. in the book. And so sometimes, like this, the Lord says, I've got some things I want to do in their life. I have some things and ways I want to use them. I have plans and direction for them, and it involves other people that I'm going to use as well, but they're sort of stuck right now, because so I know what I'll do. I'll just dry up the brook. And we look at that and go, ah, What are you doing to me? Isn't that our human nature? God, what are you doing to me? Please let it rain and give, please, 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 just give me some. The Lord's like, Wait and listen. Wait and listen. Wait and listen. Okay, God, what's the next step? Okay, I'll do that. Well, then what? I don't know, but just do the next thing. He gives me peace to do. And then what do I do? I wait. I wait for what? I wait for the next thing God gives me to do. And the word of the Lord came to him, and we we see this right here. See, we read these things from history and the lives of people that God worked in their lives and used them, and we read them and we're like, "Oh man, that was amazing!" No, they were human just like us, and God still works the same way. But we we remove ourselves out of the story, like, "Oh, God would never do that for me." God's been doing that for you, and He's doing it in your life, and. He, we're just all, as humans, we're sort of stubborn and we don't want to see it because it didn't happen the way we want it to happen. Is that too plain? Maybe I'm just talking to me this morning. (laughs) right? But so he said, arise and go to Zarephath and dwell there. Now watch the next line. Just leave that up there for a second. He said, behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Right now, I'm going to tell you what we do because we're human. He might have done this; it's just not recording in Scripture because it might have ripped our faith or hurt our faith a little bit. Here's what we do, Uh Lord. What's her name? How will I know what she looks like? Tell me what she'll be wearing or something. Can I get? A, can you give me a sign, Lord? Is is this what we do? Oh, uh, and sustain you. You've in dwell what what do you mean dwell there am i supposed to pitch a tent or am i going to have a house what, am i going to live on the street what, what can you give me a little more detail lord you've commanded her to sustain me what does that mean sustain me is it going to be like ramen noodles and cup of tea or is it going to be like steak and potatoes what's what's sustain me lord i i need some answer i i'm being a little lighthearted you understand but this is is it is this not what we do god gives us some direction and and we don't we want oh god I need more. You know what the Lord says? Trust my word. Ooh, I feel that for some of y'all. Trust my word. What did he have to do? Don't don't overthink it. It's right there. What did he have to do? First thing he had to do was get up. Right? (laughs) There's a whole message in itself right there, right? Get up. The first thing he had to do, he had to determine, I'm not staying in this place. i got to get up. All right? And then he had to do what? Go to Zarephath. What else is he supposed to do? Anything else he's supposed to do? Get up and go to Zarephath. And dwell. Anything else? Doesn't that seem pretty simple? Yeah. Isn't that funny? We read that and we're like, Man, I wish God would talk to me that way and he does and we argue like i just shared get up and go you know i I don't know anything about zarephath you you want me to go to a place i don't know about who's there I, i don't have any family there i don't have any friends there i don't know any right you know it's like why in the world would you send me to yakima god i don't know anybody in yakima this dry desert I look around this room, I see different faces. Raise your hand if you were born and raised in Yakima. More than I thought. Raise your hand if you were not born and raised in Yakima. Look at that. What in the world is God doing? He sent us to Zarephath. I mean, Yakima. (laughs) Hear me. The Lord... Now, don't make this about geography and location. This is a spiritual thing that God has to do in our lives when He's growing us spiritually. Sometimes it's it's geographical. Sometimes He has to move us from a physical location because of what we're surrounded by and who we're surrounded with and those influences on our life. And He says, the only way I know I'm ever going to get their attention, i got to get them out of where they are. And so... He brings us to Zarephath. I promise you, I promise you, in your life, if you pursue God and you desire the will of God and the work of God in your life, He will take you to Zarephath. I'll show you in a minute. We all have to go to Zarephath. We just want to know why and what for and how long and what's going to happen. And, and God said, I'm not telling you that. Here's all you need to know. Dwell there, and I've already commanded a widow to sustain. You know, God, a widow, What? why couldn't you, like, command a really rich person that's got all kinds of stuff to sustain me? Then I'd feel better about that. Well, oh, I know. Maybe it's a widow. Her husband died, and she's got all that inheritance, and she's loaded. <laughs> yes, Lord, I'm going to Z- Is that too human? Is that too real? The word of God is true, and it applies to our lives where we live, and it's relevant to where we live. I don't know what went through the prophet's mind, but we like to act like, oh, he didn't have any questions. Everything was fine. He wasn't as human as I am. I'm human, but he was superhuman. No, he was a man. He was a man used by God, just like you and I can be men and women used of God. And he had to overcome his own thinking to yield and trust in the word of God. That God knew what he's doing. And God had his hand on his life. And God didn't allow a brook to dry up without a plan to take him somewhere. It was part of God's plan for his life. I'm just going to tell you, God knows what he's doing. And if you and I will willingly put our life in his hands and trust him, he's not going to leave you in the desert with no water to die. He's got a plan but he has to do what he has to do in order to shape and mold you and I into the plan that he has, not the plan we want. And so it requires Zarephath in our life. So arise and go to Zarephath. Now, I don't know if he argued with God or he was like, man, okay, here I go. It can't be any worse than this. Sometimes it takes that mentality to just go. Verse 10, watch. So he did what? And did what? Okay, I want you to see that first line. He arose and went to Zarephath. Look at your neighbor and say, he obeyed God. Can't dismiss that. He obeyed God. See, we want God to bless us, but we don't want to obey what he gives us to do. Lord, could you sustain me while I do it my way? Maybe you could send that person from Zarephath down here. I really like Jareth. No. All right. So he arose, he obeyed, he went to Zarephath. Watch when he came to the gate of the city. Behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. Something he recognized. This was the widow, right? The Lord illuminated to him. This is the woman somehow he recognized and knew this was the one. She was there gathering sticks, and he called to her, and he said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little bit of water in a vessel that I may drink. He was thirsty. The brook was dry. Verse number 11. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, hey, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in your hand. Verse 12. And she said, now she didn't argue about the water, but when he said, bring me a morsel of bread, she said, Whoa. <clears throat> As the Lord your God lives, you recognize he was a man of God, apparently. As the Lord your God lives, I don't have a cake. I just got a handful. Do your hand like that. I just got a handful of meal in a barrel and I got a little cruise of oil. And behold, I'm gathering sticks. You see me out here. I'm picking up sticks. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go in. And I'm going to dress it. I'm going to take my handful of meal. I'm going to take my little bit of oil. I'm going to mix them together and make some flour out of this meal and oil. I'm going to take these sticks that you see me picking up, and I'm going to make a fire, and I'm going to cook that on it, and I'm going to make a cake for my son and I, and we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die because it's all we've got left and i see no evidence because there's this drought in the land and there's been no rain and i see no evidence of any hope at this point because it takes a while for the crop to get in the ground and for the wheat to grow and then to be harvested and then to be milled and because we haven't I realize she didn't say all this, but you have to understand where she is, okay? I'm going to eat it and I'm going to die. There is no grain that's going to be put in the ground and then miraculously sprout up and be harvested and milled tomorrow. There's no harvest. The land is barren. I've got what is left. No doubt she had already been rationing it. I'm going to go back and make this last cake. And my son and I are going to eat it and we're going to die. Now, this is where the prophet has empathy, right? Isn't this the point where, right? Don't hate me, okay? But imagine, I'm not trying to penny, but imagine I'm Elijah here asking her to make me a cake. Okay, I was getting ready to pick on you. You think you're a widow woman? Okay, I don't want anybody to be a widow woman. I don't know I like this example, but here's how to. So I come to this widow woman and say, hey, make me a cake. I don't anybody hate me. after. I had to have multiple lessons on forgiveness. And so make me a cake first. And she turns to me and says, I'm going to make the cake, what we just read. I'm going to die, me and my boy. So this is where me, right, as a man of God, I'm, oh, precious lady, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Oh, let me pray that God would do... Watch the next verse. And Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go and do like I said. (laughs) Is that what it says? I I know we want to make it real. Oh, precious servant of God, do not fear or be afraid. Do as I have said unto thee. Look, I'm I'm not trying to make light in turn. But sometimes we read these things and we act like the people interacting are not human beings in living life and have circumstances of life that have torn them and pulled them and weighed on them and they don't know what to do and they don't have answers. And we act like these exchanges don't affect their emotions and their thoughts and their feelings. They were as real as we are. That's why I pause and make the, we've got to connect with the reality of what God was doing here. God had a brook dry up to get this man there in Zarephath. And he had this woman with an almost empty cruise of oil and just a little bit of meal. And it was God's divine plan to bring the two of them together. And the prophet of the Lord said, make me a little cake first and bring it to me. And afterward, make one for you and your son. And I can imagine her in her humanity going, did you not just hear what I said? I'm going to make one for me and my boy. And we're going to eat it. And we're going to die. And now you're telling me to go make one for you, and then afterwards make one for him and I? How does this work? What part of a little bit for us and we're going to die do you not understand? See, sometimes we want to argue with God because we don't believe He understands what He's doing. I'm telling you, it may not make sense to the natural man, but God knows what He's doing. And if you and I have heard from God, we can act in faith. I have a question for you. How in the world could Elijah have the boldness and the audacity after hearing her say, I'm going to make a cake and we're going to die. How could he have the boldness and the audacity to say, hey, don't be afraid. Go make one for me first and then for you and your son. Huh? The ravens had fed him. He had some experience. I'll tell you another way. He had a word from the Lord. The Lord, remember what the word from the Lord says? I have commanded a widow to sustain you. Was that what we just read in verse number eight? Elijah proved his faith by what he spoke. Here's what happens God will give you a word. But then you'll run into a circumstance that doesn't seem to support what God said. And you'll discard your faith rather than speak according to the Word of God. Elijah in that moment when she said, I'm just going to make a cake for me and my boy, he could have responded in his human emotion and human compassion and discarded his faith when he did it. He could have said, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. You must be the wrong widow. And discarded faith. But he had so much faith in the word of God and what God had commanded her. He's like, well, she doesn't know it yet, but I know. I know what God told me. And so therefore, I'm going to tell her it'll be all right. Just go make one for me, and then afterwards for you and your son. I'm not speaking from human hope. I'm speaking from faith in what I know God told me. And if God told me that he's commanded you to sustain me, even if you don't know it, he's got a plan. It's going to be fine. Make me one first. Do you see the difference in faith? This is why we have to be careful about human compassion. We should have compassion. Don't misunderstand me. But if I just act in human compassion, it at times can rob me of my faith. I'll step back from speaking the word of God in boldness. All right, so verse 14. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal will not waste, neither shall the of oil fail till the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Verse 15. Oh, no, that's good right there. Oh, no, verse 15. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. She and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal did not waste. Neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Now, it took us a little longer to get here than I thought, but here we are. Thank you for your patience. I believe the Holy Ghost is talking to some of us. Do you all believe the Lord did this? Raise your hand if you believe God really did this. I do. Absolutely, I do. So if God did it before, can he do it again? If God did it in that situation, can he do it in your situation? Yeah. Watch. I heard a story Friday night, true story from uh it came from the missionary that's in Kiev right now his uh his worship leader has a large family he and his wife have 12 children yeah buddy 12 children and so as you know there is A conflict in the Ukraine. And so, this worship leader is trying to figure out uh, at the church there what do I do for my family? How do I protect my wife and children? And so, he decides, I'm going to stay in Kiev, in the city. Let's get you out of the city that's vulnerable and get you out to the countryside. So, he sends his wife and his 12 children to a countryside that he believes will be safe, a place where they can go and stay. Well, this village where they are in this small community, wherever they are in the countryside, it comes under attack. He sent them there to be protected, and it comes under attack. And they are hearing and seeing all around them women and children crying out, screaming, being taken captive, some unfortunately losing their lives. And the mother became so scared, concerned, she's got her 12 children, that she said, we're not leaving the house. We are staying inside this house, and we're going to pray. And they would hear soldiers all around them going into houses and taking people and and different but they stayed in the house and no one ever came to their house the house where they were staying there but now this this village is closed off soldiers are surrounding it they're passing through it time to time still there and she just has enough food she's been measuring and managing the food to feed these 12 kids and herself but now it's gone it's it's it Sounds like this story in the scripture, but this has been in this last few months. And so she takes what's left and makes a meal to feed the 12. And the next day she goes back, and what she had used to make the meal the day before is there again. And so she makes a meal for her family of 12. And the next day, she goes back, and the food that she would used to make the meal is there again. And this continues for some time. Now, we have this directly from this man. She realized, I can't just stay in this house inevitably. And in prayer, she got boldness. She's like, I've got to step out and try to get some help. I've got to get my family out of here. So, one day, saying, Lord, if I live, I live. She went out of the house and pleaded with a Russian soldier. Who took her, calmed her, and said, I'm not your enemy. But I can't let you go. Because if you take your family, she's telling him, I've got 12 kids. I've got to. He said, if I let you go and you head out of this village across that field, he said, we have set mines up around this field, around this village, and you and your family will, there's no way you'll make it. So I can't let you leave. But then he said, here's what I'll do. He said, get your kids. Can you get them right now? Get your kids. Yes. He said, line them up in a single file line and tell them not to get out of it and follow me. And he led her and her family out and across the field through the minefield in the path that he knew would be safe for them to walk and got them out so they could get back to her husband and family in Kiev. Don't tell me God won't sustain his people. He is a sustainer. But I need, the Lord needs us to see a principle here that has been in my spirit since last Wednesday. It keeps coming back. It keeps coming up in conversation with people. And so I know the Lord is doing something in me. The sustaining was not realized until she poured out. there's got to be a willingness to pour out. Fear paralyzes us, and it works contrary to faith. Faith cannot operate in fear. And so fear says, I have to hold on to what little bit I have left. Faith says, if I release it, It will create a flow. And He can continue to source what I cannot source myself if I'll release in faith what He's already given me. Would you stand with me? For this woman, I believe with all of my heart, if she would have said, I'm sorry, I can't do that, I'm going to make this cake for my son and I. We're going to eat it. and We're going to take our chances. I do not believe this miracle would have taken place in her life. She had to be willing to pour out for someone else in spite of her circumstances and situation. And the miracle came in her pouring out. I realize this could fit in a lot of ways, and I'm careful about giving an example because I don't want you to take it and just put it in one compartment. I've had people say to me, Man, once I once I learn more of the word, then I'll tell somebody else. Look, that's the mentality that says, once my cruise of oil is full, then I'll pour some out. No. Pour out what you got. He'll give you more. So I'd like to, I'd like to come alongside and help, but I, I just don't know. All I can do is, okay, do all you can do and then watch God give you what's needful for your own situation. There's something that happens when the children of God in faith begin to pour out. It, it, it creates, I'll tell you what it does, it creates a flow. It creates a flow. And some of you, what you need in your life, really, what you're needing, the very thing you're needing, it's not coming because you've, you've, you've stepped. And I don't know of any situation right now. I'm just telling you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. Some of you, you've stepped into a place of, I just got to hold on. I just got to hold on. I just got to hold on. And I feel like the Spirit of the Lord is saying, if you'll just begin to look for where He gives you opportunity to release and you open, it will create a flow. And you can trust Him. You can trust Him. For this woman with the handful of meal and the cruse of oil, when she poured out, God continued to pour in. James tells us, I'm going to give you an example of this and I finish. James tells us in his letter... He said, confess your sins or faults one to another. And then he makes a statement. He says, pray for one another that you may be healed. Hold on a minute. I need healing. I need you to pray for me. Right? I have a need. You pray for me. I have a need. You help me. There's something missing in my life. You help me. James said, pray for another that you're healed. This is that very principle. When you are willing to pour out, the Lord says, I'll pour in. Stop disqualifying yourself from doing what God would ask you to do. Don't let fear rob you of faith in Jesus' name. Remember I said everybody will go to Zarephath. Remember that? You will. You know what Zarephath means? Zarephath literally means refinement or refinery. It's a place of refining. What is refining? Well, one example of a refinery is silver is taken and put in a refinery that's heated up really, 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 really hot. And all the impurities in that refinery, because it gets so hot, the silver, all the impurities come to the surface in the refinery. And the refiner sits there and looks in, and when the impurity comes up, the refiner reaches in and scrapes off the impurity. That's called dross. He'll scrape that off so that the silver will be more pure. That happens in a refinery. Zarephath is called, the word Zarephath literally means refinement or refiner or refinery. Every one of us to be and become all that God intends will go through places of refinement. We'll all go to Zarephath. And we can resist it. We can bow our back against it. Or we can say, God, by your grace, because I can't do it on my own. But by your grace, God, I will be obedient and trust your word. I will be obedient and trust your word. Would you talk to him right there this morning before we go? Jesus, in your name, I want your refinement of my life in every area that continues to mold and fashion me according to your will. I want to participate in what you're doing, God. I want to be a part of the work of the kingdom of God daily. I don't want to settle for the brook Cherith. I want to go where you would lead me to go. I pray as a body of believers, we want to go collectively where you'd lead us in these valleys. I pray the refinement process have its work in our life. Let our trust in your word be renewed today. Let us speak and act in faith. Let fear be cast down. Let the love of God cover the heart. The love that casts out all fear in the name of Jesus, I pray. Give us a boldness to walk in obedience. Give us a boldness to walk in obedience. Give us a boldness to walk in obedience. Let there be a willingness to pour out, even if it's the last bit of meal. Let there be a willingness to pour out, even if it's the last bit of oil. As you would direct us, Lord. As you would direct us, Lord. Not in a manner trying to bribe you or convince you. But in obedience, Lord. Pouring out, trusting your word acting in faith, standing on Your Word. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Show me, instruct me, direct me, Lord. You know the way, You know the plan. You have a purpose, Lord. You're still in control. You're still in control. Even when things seem dried up, even when it doesn't seem clear how, I trust you. I trust your word and I stand upon it today. I stand upon it in faith today. I stand upon it in faith today. I stand on your word in faith today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm going to give you the really short version of a long story of this principle situation happened. Interestingly enough, it was just a few years before we moved to Wapato and to the valleys here from the West side and took place in Wapato. We went back home. The result of things that took place there again, I'm making this shorter. So I had just bought a new car for me and my family. It was used, but it was new to us. A little over $5,000 at the time that we would bought it for. I just tell you that not to say how much money it was, but so you know, it wasn't some big, huge, fancy car. I don't want it. It, was, it met a need we had. Well, a situation that took place in this event, this situation in Wapato, somebody had given away their car. I went back home. And I hadn't even had my car a month. And I felt like the Lord was dealing with me. The Lord had made a way for me to get that car. It was a miracle that He made a way for me to get it. And I felt like the Lord was dealing with me to give my car to the person that had given their car away in Wapato. I took, I took some time telling the Lord why that wasn't a good idea. I, I know you're more spiritual than I am, but I just, I took some time to tell the Lord why that was a bad idea and why this was not good timing. And Lord, I just... You gave me that, you. The Lord was kind and gentle, but I it, it never left. I'm like, okay, Lord. And so I I acted in faith. And so please don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to pin roses here. I'm just, I want you to see this principle. I acted in faith. It didn't happen in a moment. It didn't, it wasn't like from next verse to the next verse for me. It took a couple prayer meetings and some pressing through and going, okay, God. So I gave the car and the title and the keys over. They thanked me. I think it was a blessing. And it went on. It was not the best time in our life financially. So it wasn't like, oh, everything's good, no big deal. I'll just go buy another one. I couldn't go buy another one. It was. It, we sort of felt like at the time we were living with the last little bit of mill and oil. When the Lord asked me to do that, I thought His timing was terrible. I'll just give you a little insight here. God's timing usually doesn't fit mine and your plans. That's why it's called faith and trust. So anyway, so we, we did. We did that and talked to my wife. And like she always is, she was fully like, God's leading you, you do it. So we did. Well, it wasn't very long after a few months later, we found out that we were going to have another baby. Talk about terrible timing sometimes. Those, those kids just show up at terrible times sometimes. No, I'm kidding. So that was Ethan. Ethan was on the way. I got no regrets about that, by the way. For those of you that don't know, Ethan's the one that was playing the keyboard earlier, so that gives you an idea of how long ago that's been. But still, right? You know, it's like, oh, man, this is not good timing. I, I How so, I was at church early one morning. This has now been quite a few months later, maybe even a year later, a little over a year, a little more than a year later. I'm in the back room there in Puyallup, and we still live there. I'm praying at the back. I could take you to the spot where I was kneeling on the floor. I, it was as real as it is standing here today. I'm kneeling there and I'm praying. I'm talking to the Lord, trying to find the mind of the Lord, and trying to dismiss all the stuff that's weighing on my mind because of not knowing where, literally, in some cases, the next meal is coming from. And as I'm praying, Bishop comes up to me. I didn't know that's who it was at the time. But he comes up to me and puts his hand on my back. And he begins to talk. And this is what he says. I'll never forget. He said, the Lord asked Abraham to give his only son. Honest to goodness, when he said that, I'm kneeling there praying, and this is the thought that I had when he said that. I don't like the way this is starting. (laughs) Honest to goodness, I remember to this day. That's exactly what I thought. I thought, starting. I didn't look up. I just kept my head buried and go, oh, God. is Is that too real? And he said, Because the Lord saw that Abraham was willing to give his son. The Lord gave him back beyond. And he laid down beside me a car title and a set of keys that had come into his hand. He didn't go buy it. It had come into his hand. I was blown away. I was thanking the Lord. I get up from that place. It's Sunday. We have church. A family comes to my wife and I after church and says, hey, you guys got any plans Tuesday night? Want to come over for dinner? Well, we were at the place where we didn't know where the next meal was coming from. So when somebody said, do you want to come for dinner? There was no question. Absolutely. What time? And so we were like, yes, we'll be there. And so we went, we pulled up in our new car that I had got Sunday, right? You with me? I pull up, my wife and I come in the house, they bring us in the living room. Oh, it's good to see you guys. Come on in, they're friends. We knew them from church, right? We, oh, great, great, great. And they're like, hey, could you give us a minute? We're like, sure. So we sit down in their living room and they both leave. We're like, awkward, right? And uh, a few minutes, what seemed like a long time, they come back, okay, okay, I think we're ready for dinner now, come on in. And they take us around the wall into their living room, sit us down at their dining table, the four of us sit down. And they said, hey, we saw you, you got a car. I said, yeah, you know that. They said, well, we know on Sunday in service, God spoke to us. So we're sorry we sort of left you for a minute, but we both wanted to make sure, and we know we heard from God. So we invited you to dinner because we wanted to feed you dinner. But sitting on the table in the middle of the dining room was a set of keys and another car title. And between Sunday and Tuesday, the Lord gave me two cars, fully paid for, titles, keys, in hand. Now watch, I kept the one car. It was a 1988 Nissan Sentra red stick shift. I love that car. (laughs) I had determined I'm driving this car until it will not drive anymore because it is my testimony of the goodness of God. Then somebody without insurance blew through a red light and T-boned me and totaled it. I, I drove it a while though, I drove it a while though. And I walked away from that thing. I took the other car and sold it, and it paid for the birth of that boy. The Lord sustained me. I didn't give the car when I had plenty. Again, I'm not trying to brag on myself. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm trying to give you an example of what I know from experience that God does. He dealt with me to pour out that oil that I had. And it wasn't easy. I'm not saying, oh, I'm just so spiritual. It was easy, Brother Ruben. I know. Yes, Lord, if that's what you want here. Take it off. (laughs) No, I'm as human as you are. I'm as human as you are. But I knew I'd heard from him. And because I knew I'd heard from him, I had peace doing it, even if I wasn't sure what was coming next. You can trust him. He will sustain you. Amen. Could we thank the Lord together before we go today? Jesus, we worship you for you are holy. You are God and beside you, there is none else. You are the sustainer. You are the provider. You are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides, but far above a provider, you are a savior. You are our Savior, and I worship you. My life does not belong to me. It belongs to you because you purchased me with your own blood. And so I worship you today, the giver of life, the source of life. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from you. You are the Father of Light. In you, there's no variableness. There's no shadow of turning. You do not change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I worship you this morning. And I thank you. I thank you for this precious people today. You see the heart of every man and every woman here. You know where every family is. You know where every individual is today. I pray the witness of your word and your spirit and the working of the spirit of God and the word of God in each life today to act in faith, to respond in faith to what you would do and how you would do it, that you would show yourself mighty on their behalf and that you would be glorified as a result, that you would be lifted up, that our lives would be a living testimony of your goodness and that we could say with a surety and boldness and gratitude, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. You are our healer. You know where we are. You are our restorer. You know where we are. You are our peace. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. We trust your refining process. We trust your refining process, the work of your hand, your wisdom to use circumstances to shape us and mold us, your wisdom, Lord, to lead us where you'd have us to go. I trust You today. I commit my life afresh and anew into Your hands. I commit my life anew into Your hands, into Your plan, into Your purpose for me, into Your will, God. Take me and do as seems good to You to do. We do not belong to ourselves. We belong to You. Jesus, we trust You. Give us a sensitive ear and an obedient heart, I pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are the refiner. You are the refiner. Hallelujah. Come on, those circumstances, somebody here. The circumstances will not destroy you if you'll keep your life in his hands. He's just refining you. Come on, life's current situation will not destroy you if you'll keep your life in his hands. He's just refining you. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He's got his eye on you. He's got his hand on you, but you got to trust this process. It's just the refining. Zarephath is not forever, but you got to go through Zarephath for him to use us fully and completely the way he wants to do. Jesus, we trust your refinement. Do it in me according to your will and purpose. Do it in each one of us. We thank you and we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, God. Amen. Why don't you, before you go today, would you just greet somebody? Greet somebody. And here's what I want you to tell them. Say, hey, don't jump out of the fire. It's refining you. Don't jump out of the fire. It's refining you. God bless you. Greet someone. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.